met a woman years ago who was just telling me a little bit about her, her story, her life, and she had at one point kind of got into her difficulties in her marriage that she had been, you know, 10 years before is just very difficult. And she said, in that time, I had nothing to rely on except God. Things were so difficult that all I could do was pray. So she started, you know, going daily rosary, rosary group, Bible studies, daily masses, full body Pilates workouts. I mean, doing the full thing, everything she could, body and soul, to get herself fixed in the situation. But she said at one point years later, it just kind of got to a breaking point. She couldn't handle it anymore. So she said she divorced her husband. And she looked at me, she goes, and I have to admit, I've just, I've felt so much better ever since then. And I was just inspired in that one moment, just one thought came to my mind. And I said, well, what happened to your prayer life? And she just stopped and she goes, oh, well, I, I guess that kind of went away too. Right. Have you ever noticed that in our life, that it's when things are usually most difficult, when we're in the midst of battles in our life, that's when we tend to need God more. We cry out to God more. We draw much closer to him. And then when things start going really well for us, we just little by little forget him. Right? We don't really need him as much. And I think that's one reason why Christ said we must be aware of riches. Riches in themselves are not evil. But when I'm not feeling poverty in life, I have no reason to cry out to God to save me, to help me. And I had another encounter with two different women this last week. A lot of women and widows and divorces this last week. It was interesting. But it, um, it really touched on this point of, are the battles in my life that I'm facing, are they drawing me closer to God in relationship or further from Him? Because life itself is a battle. Job talks about this. Life on earth for man is a continual struggle. We're always struggling against one thing after another. That doesn't change. What's really determined in the midst of the struggles that we face, am I drawing closer to the Lord in the midst of it? Or is it pushing me away from him? So St. Augustine said that all of humanity is summed up on the two thieves that are on the side of Jesus Christ on Calvary. There's no middle ground. Every single human being is on the left or on the right of Christ on that cross. And what's the difference between those two thieves? One thief looked at Christ and said, and he's suffering, right? His arms are outstretched. He's crucified right there. Criminal. And he says, if you are truly the Messiah, save yourself and us as well. Take away our suffering and we will believe in you. And the other thief looks at Christ and says, I am a sinner and I am getting what I deserve from my own sins. But you are innocent. You are good. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. The only thing he asked for was a deeper relationship. Both of them were on crosses. Both of them were battling. Both of them were suffering. One had that suffering push him away from God. The other one used it as a very means to draw him closer. But you're here with me. So we all face battles in our life. We all face suffering, every single one of us. 
But what that suffering does to us will only push us in one of two directions, closer to God or farther, further from Him. And that's what we really need to contemplate in this Mass. Are the sufferings I'm encountering in this present time, what is it doing in my relationship with the Lord? Because the main goal of the enemy, the main goal of the devil, is not sin. It's not to make us suffer or to break us. With the devil, it's always a mind game. His whole goal is to vandalize the face of God. To make God out to be the tyrant, the absentee landlord, the one who does not see or care about me in the midst of my suffering. So the devil doesn't care about the battle we're going through. What he cares about is how we perceive God in the midst of the battle that we're going through. And he is the liar from the beginning, the one who comes to distort the face of the Father to turn us into rebellion. Does that make sense? And I had two encounters this last week really struck me. Um, I was on a retreat with a group of priests uh, for a new priest retreat. And at one point we went on a hike and we met um, just some some group of people out there who were kind of having like discussion, found out we were priests and uh, one of the women there kind of got in a one-on-one conversation and she had said, I don't believe in anything. She was, I, I was Episcopalian all my life, but I don't believe in the blood of Jesus. I don't pray. I don't believe in grace. I don't believe in heaven. I don't believe in hell. I have no creed. I believe in nothing. And she was very strong when she said that. Ask her why. And she said, well, two years ago, my second husband had cancer of the stomach. And I prayed and I asked Christ to help us. And I didn't receive that. So there is no God in my mind. So her suffering, what she'd endured, and that's, that is a great suffering, that hardened her heart against the Lord and pushed her away to the point where she says, I cannot believe in a God who allows this suffering. She says, even more than that, when I was, you know, 36 years old, my husband at that time abandoned me and left me with the kids. What kind of God would allow that to happen? And one of the priests I was with afterwards said, that's so interesting. He goes, she was 36 years old. He goes, my mother too was 36 years old when my father abandoned us and left her like six siblings and one, one, and she was pregnant with the seventh one, like eight months pregnant, father up and left. And he said that at that time, his mother just went into this great depression. She gave birth to the child, but she, after that, she just closed herself in her rooms, shut the blinds, refused to get out of bed, ate very little. It was just like the whole world was crashing in on it. You can imagine 36 years old, right? six children, now seven children, and you're all by yourself. Right? And that, that's a battle. That's intense. She said, but at one day, her, um, her daughter, 15 years old, walks into the room and she looks at her mother, middle of the day, she's still laying there. She walks over, she opens up the blinds, all in her room, and she said, we've lost our father. We cannot endure to lose our mother too. You have children here you have to take care of. We need you. 
do what you have to do to get yourself together so that you can be a mother to us. She walked out of the room. The mother at this point looked over and on the wall was a crucifix that they had received from her and her husband from a priest on the day of their matrimony. She crawled out of bed and she knelt before that crucifix. And she said to Jesus, I can try to be their mother, but you have to be their father. I surrender to you this entire situation. Got up, dressed herself up, went down and made lunch and carried on with her life. She then melted down both her rings, her engagement ring and her wedding ring, and actually had engraved in it um, all these different Christian symbols and a cross. She said, I'm now married to God. And out of that perseverance and out of that faith of hers, one of her children became a great and holy priest from seeing his mother so surrendered to God in the midst of her suffering. But it's two very similar situations. And one rebels against the suffering and allows her heart to be totally hardened to God to the point where she says, I cannot believe in a God who hangs on a cross, who does not come down and save me as well. The other one falls on her knees before a cross and says, you entered in this suffering so I never have to be alone. I surrender it to you. Every single one of us is in a battle in our life. Every single one of us has our own trials that we have to continually fight against. What we need to understand is that the point of life is not the struggling itself. That's not what matters. Because once you get over this, another one will come. What really matters in life is what is happening to our mind in the midst of it. What is happening to my relationship with God in the midst of that struggle? That's why Christ says, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on earth? Will you still believe in me? Will you still be following me? Will you still love me in the midst of the battles that you have to go through? Or will you allow yourself to lose heart? You know, I even, even talked to someone one time who uh, was fascinating. He was addicted. He had, he had some addictions he was working through. And he was a Catholic, right? But he was a very independent man, very strong-willed man. And he said at one point, he had put himself, he said, his direct verbiage was, I had to put myself through the hardest, most excruciating pains in order to overcome this addiction. And in the end, he did. And what amazed me as he was telling the story was that it was very clear he was no closer to God after he got over that addiction than he was while he was in the midst of that addiction. Why was that? Because he did it on his own. There was no prayer. There was no relationship with God. There was no filial crying out for help. It was, this is a problem in my life, and I am going to fix it on my own, which he did. And yet on the other side of that problem, he found himself alone and independent. 
So it doesn't matter when we live, whether we lose or whether we win, even in the different struggles that we have in our life. What matters is what is happening to the face of God in the midst of it. Am I growing into a deeper intimacy with God as my Father? Or am I seeing Him as more and more distant and I need to take control of my life? Lastly, I want to speak about his sins, the struggles with sins that we have. I heard this recently and it just, it amazed me that um, someone said that they'd heard a priest say that when we fall into mortal sin, that God doesn't hear us. But when we fall into a grave sin, that it's as if, it's as if we are somehow excluded from God's knowledge. And until we get ourselves rightly ordered, that we have no relationship with him. That is the biggest lie from the evil one. That is a straight lie from hell. And that is a very common experience that we have when we fall. That when I'm in good graces with God, then I can, then I can know his love and his, his fatherhood. But as soon as I make a mistake, as soon as I fall, then God is no longer with me. How many fathers are here? Raise your hands. What would, you, what would your child have to do for you to hate your child? Is there anything that your children could do that would make you hate them or disown them? And we're human beings. We're fallen. What would, could we ever do to make God hate us? And yet that's the experience that we can have after we sin, when we fall. That somehow the Father doesn't love me. He doesn't know me. And that's exactly what the devil wants us to think. Is that going to make us draw closer to God? Or is it going to push us even farther away? And these are the kind of questions we have to ask ourselves in our everyday struggles against sin, in our struggles in our relationships, struggles with work, whatever it is. Is this drawing me closer to God the way I'm seeing this? Or is it hardening my heart against him? And that will allow us to see who is the voice speaking to me. Is the evil one or is it the Lord? So when Jesus uses this parable about this woman, this widow who doesn't give up praying in the midst of her struggles, There's one widow that's mentioned in that same Gospel of Luke, the very beginning, the infancy narratives. There's a widow, Anna the prophetess, said she spent 80 years praying and fasting in the temple. Seven years of of marriage, her husband dies. She spends 80 years, day and night, fasting and praying. And at the end of that, she was rewarded as she was one of the two people, her and Simeon, who were the first ones to recognize the Christ child being brought into the temple. Maybe Jesus had her in mind when he was talking about the widow who perseveres in prayer. 
Is my battle that I'm facing in my life, is it bringing me closer to God, a deeper understanding of his fatherhood, of his providence, of his love, or is it pushing me away from him? And that is a question that we need to ask every single day of our lives because the Son of Man is about to descend upon earth again, right here, body, blood, soul, and divinity. The only question he can ask right now, will he find faith on earth?